Hi, I'm Jessie Delo, your host of Madly Forever, a podcast in collaboration with The Fullest. Each episode, I'll help people move past their vision boards to create a life and relationship that they truly love. I, sometimes along with the help of my husband, Brian, will interview a variety of experts, psychologists, couples, and business partners to discover the science and secrets to successful compatibility. By pairing my expertise for manifestation with my background in therapeutic healing, I have manifested the life of my dreams. With this podcast, I aim to help others find their optimal alignment as well. Hi, everyone. This is Jessie. Welcome back to Madly Forever. I'm super excited to have Emily Pereira here today with us all the way from Santa Teresa, Costa Rica. We're super lucky to have her as a guest on our show. And I can't wait to hear about what she's up to in Costa Rica and all the women that she's working with through her coaching practice and through her incredible mermaid retreats, which she'll tell you all about. But first, I'm going to let Emily introduce herself to all of you. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Jesse. Thank you. It's yeah, an honor. Um, yes, I'm here from Costa Rica, and I'm a women's coach specializing in helping women call relationship, soulmate love into their lives. I'm also a yoga teacher, lead retreats, and the author of the forthcoming book, The Quest. Mm. You say the forthcoming book? Mm-hmm. Your fourth book? No, it's coming Oh, the soon. forthcoming book. <laughs> <laughs> the forthcoming book. Got it. Got it. That's really exciting. The quest. Yes. Awesome. So what brought you to this work? How did you end up here? Oh my goodness. Well, <laughs> with a big, beautiful breakdown, mm. really, uh, is, was how it started in my late 20s. So throughout my 20s, I you know did all of the things that... I thought would bring me happiness. I did all the things I was told would bring me happiness. I did all the things sex in the city promised would bring me happiness, <laughs> you know? Like. We were raised on that show. <laughs> um, and by the time I got to my late 20s, I had this life that looked amazing on paper, you know? It was like number one in my company, check. Living a home on the beach in Venice, check. You know, um, closet full of designer clothes, going to parties, events, vacations all around the world, check, check, check. Um, and most weekends, you know, I was dating this guy for six years. He was one of the original MySpace founders. And mm. most weekends we were escaping our so-called perfect life by partying, mm. like a lot. You know, we're not talking like a couple beers in a joint here. We're talking like raging all weekend long. Not really the sign Escaping. Of, escaping. Yeah. yeah. Not really the sign of really happy people, mm-hmm. you know. And when I got really real with myself, which was not too often a vacation back in those days, Mm -hmm. I knew I wasn't really that happy and I knew I wasn't living my truth, but I had no idea what that was or how to go about finding it. So, and it seemed like you'd, you'd done what you were supposed to do and gotten where you'd supposed, you were supposed to be. I had all the externals. My only reference point was externals, you know? And so, um, it was confusing. Mm -hmm. It was a really confusing time. Mm -hmm. And you know, right around the time I thought I'd be getting the ring from him, I found out that he cheated on me. Oh, wow. And I went The best and, gift. The best gift. Of course, I did not see it <laughs> that way at the time. <laughs> I know. It never seems like the best gift. As I, like, dropped 10 pounds overnight, had a weird rash oh. on my body that no doctor could explain, in and out of the doctor's office with a revolving door, mystery illnesses, Yikes. needed pills to sleep, on the cliff's edge of a depression. You know, back in those days, too, like, we had a really tight group of friends, and, like, even including my best girlfriend from boarding school – they all picked him. Wow. So it was just, I lost everything I valued. Oh. It was in Saturn Returns. 
don't know if you know about yeah, Saturday. Yeah, I completely know about that. Um, ha- similar thing happened to me. Really? Around 27, right? Were you 27? Exactly. Yep. 27, 28, mm-hmm. 29 were the hardest years of my mm-hmm. life. Um, but now I look back on them as being the absolute most important, pivotal. 100%. Time of my life. And the best gift. The greatest gift yeah. truly ever. Because I wasn't living a life that was in alignment with my heart's tr- truest desires. And that's, I didn't actually know I was in Saturn returns while it was happening. I wish I had known because that I maybe wouldn't have freaked out as much. Right. Um, but for those of you who don't know, it's a time when if you're not living a life that's aligned with your truth, everything's going to be stripped away. Stripped away. And we're so lucky when that happens. So lucky. It's the most unfortunate thing is when you're in that state and nothing happens. Yeah. yeah. What do you think the difference is between that happening and not because sometimes people don't get that experience right I think that what ends up happening is you continue living a life that maybe isn't aligned with your heart and later you're gonna Mm -hmm. get the bomb and maybe that's a cancer scare or maybe that's some other like really big tragedy that you have to wake up to the truth of who you are later on so I just feel so lucky that happening pretty young relatively speaking now that I'm over here 41 I'm like and it informed the rest of your your career. Absolutely. Well, and then, so what ended up happening was, um, fortunately the forces of the universe converged to connect me with a spiritual teacher, which, you know, back in 2006, before Facebook and Instagram Mm -hmm. and and inspirational messages, you know, the guy may as well have been the Easter bunny for all I know. I mean, like what spiritual teacher, I don't know what that is, but I connected with him and I, I just knew I felt better in his presence. And then I soon discovered that he had information that's not in books and hands that could heal your body, which was news to me because I was working for a pharmaceutical company. Wow. So he looked at me on our first session. We're sitting here like this. And he's like, I see you're in pain, but your pain has a lot less to do with this man and this life that you've lost and a lot more to do with the fact you've bought into illusions about yourself and the way that the world works that just aren't true. And he's like, the biggest illusion you're working with is you think you have to be perfect. Mm. He's like, you think you have to be perfect in order to be worthy of approval, acceptance, and ultimately love. And I remember I was in my sister's apartment. It was like a December day and I was just like cold and like shaking, but my cheeks were burning because I was like, oh, I want to be perfect, but I just don't want anyone to know I want to be perfect. And he was like, don't feel bad. Every single woman from like Oprah to Angelina Jolie to Queen Elizabeth and the lady plowing the rice fields in Bali, they're all programmed with this from the day they were born, if you're a woman on planet earth. And he said, it comes in the form of a fear-based thought. Dad looks down at baby girl on day one and has either a conscious or an unconscious thought that one day you're going to be older and you're going to be sexual. And this is terrifying. All of our thoughts of energy vibrations associated with them. We know this from physics. And it pings baby girl on day one that there's something wrong with her for being female and for being sexual. Now, let's not worry about the fact that everyone gets onto the planet. We don't have to look too much further than the Webster's Dictionary to see like slut, floozy, tramp, and men are like Don Juans, Casanovas. Women don't have the same sexual permission in our culture Hmm. that men do. And now, you know, we see what's happening with women's rights and everything like that too. It's still going on. Yeah. And, you know, if you think back, think how you felt the first time that you were rejected. What did you want more than anything? The first time I was rejected? Yeah, like if you were like a little kid, you had like a crush on somebody and you were in elementary school and like somebody, either either a group of friends rejected you or a crush rejected you. What did you want more than anything at that moment? Uh, To be just like loved and hugged and accepted. Yeah, we want everyone acceptance even more, right? Yeah. So on day one, this is where this comes from. This perfection is like, how can they possibly reject us if we're perfect? 
Hmm. So we start That's to be- That's an interesting philosophy. I haven't heard this before. Yeah. So it's like, how can- But I don't, do you think that really is always the truth that a man always, a father always looks at their daughter in that, with that thought on day one? Well, because we have so many centuries of religious programming mm-hmm. that says sex is- not good for women. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like so ingrained, according to this teacher, it's mm-hmm. so ingrained in the spiritual DNA. So do you think that's women needing to be perfect or needing to be like innocent and, and non-sexual and non-expressive of their, like their full sexual desires? I mean, that might be something that plays into it as well, because mm-hmm. that's a whole nother story about women not being able to orgasm. And, mm-hmm. you know, we hear all these statistics. So, but, but as it relates to the perfection point, it's that, you know, we sort of start to unconsciously forsake some start, some part of our authenticity to try to be, you know, the, the version that can mm-hmm. be accepted. And it starts within that family structure. So like mm-hmm. my perfect is going to be different than your perfect. Mm-hmm. It's going to be different than your best friend's perfect. And then we get these, you know, messages given to us from the media and society about how we're supposed to think and look and act. And, you know, for many women, many of the women that come to work with me, it's like their lives look really good from the outside and they can't figure out what's missing. Mm-hmm. And that was exactly my, my situation, mm-hmm. my story. I had followed this sort of script of how I thought I was supposed to be and what happiness was. Absolutely. A lot of people, I'm, I'm also a coach and a lot of people come to me with that exact same, just like confusion. What's going on? What am I missing? Right? Yes. How do I feel the way that I should feel? What is it supposed to feel like? Yeah. So how did you get yourself there? So you met this the spiritual teacher. Yeah. So he looked at me on that first day and he said, what are you doing that's creative? And I was like, I'm not creative. That gene skipped me. Just like real matter of fact. And he looked at me and laughed and, and he's this incredible artist that showcased his art all around the world. And he was like, well, creativity is not a genetic thing. It's an energy. That's a natural part of being human, but you're freezing yourself out of your natural creative flow with your attempt to be perfect. And he said, you know, think about paralyzing, paralyzing. Absolutely. Again, like all of our thoughts of energy vibrations associated with them and that vibration of judgment, judgment's basically a synonym for perfection Uh, because perfection doesn't exist in the natural world. You know, if we look at a tree, no trees are perfectly symmetrical. If we look at a flower, no flowers are perfectly straight. So like we're part of the natural world, right? It's really just such a shame because femininity is creativity. That feminine energy is creativity and with this perfectionist um just like plague that's really on many 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 women it's really just zapping out that creative feminine juice from everyone absolutely it's such a shame it's like we're all in like straight jackets it's like. so sad and that's what makes the world go around that like fluid femininity flow just like acceptance love and then it's like everyone just trying to do what makes everyone else feel happy or feel like you're doing well. Absolutely. People pleasing galore. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that he pointed that out. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, this is when he dropped the wisdom bomb on me that would forever change my life. And he said, you know, Emily, you don't need to be perfect to participate. You just need to give yourself permission to be the beginner. The beginner isn't supposed to know anything. So the beginner can never fail. Like any step you take is success. And I was just like, when you say it like that, it's pretty damn obvious, but it had totally escaped me for the first, you know, at that point, like almost 30 years of my life. Beginner's mind. Beginner's mind. Yeah. Yeah. And so I didn't feel instantly creative, but everything he said to me on that day resonated as a deep truth. So I kept working with him and I kept just like tearing down illusion after illusion in my life. And one of the 
main things he taught me is just to start taking radical personal responsibility for everything Mm -hmm. in your life. So it was like, okay, I got a parking ticket. I created that. I get a lottery ticket. I created that. And by starting to take radical personal responsibility, I changed my vibration from poor me, bad things happen to me to everything in my life that I'm attracting is there for my benefit and evolution. And there's a gift in here somewhere. And And you're the creator of your reality. Creator of my reality. And that allowed me to change my vibration to one of gratitude because Mm. everything's a gift. And Mm. gratitude is the, you know, the foundation for all manifestation. Absolutely. And so in a short period of time, relatively short period of time, like two years, I created a new group of friends, new beautiful man. We moved into a gorgeous home together and I got an amazing dog and I had like all of the stuff of life again. And I was just like, wasn't it? This isn't it. (laughs) And I'm like, shit, did it again. (laughs) Now what? But you had the responsibility part. I had now, I had like two years of spiritual work under my belt. I wasn't partying like Keith Richards, Uh (laughs) you know, like it was better, but I still knew something like big was missing. I had an ache in my heart. It was just like Mm. this apathy, this apathetic feeling. And, um, And when I shared that with my teacher, he just was like, you know, I really see you're a writer. He's like, you have to write your story. He goes, even if you never show it to one person, it doesn't matter. It's for you. It's for you to heal your heart. What made him think you were a writer? Well, he's clairvoyant. So he was just like... He channeled it. Yeah. He just saw into it. And, um, And when he said that, I literally felt like someone was doing a tap dance on my heart. I still remember this day so clearly. And you'd never really written anything before? I mean, like... Growing up in like elementary school, <laughs> yeah. like, like we all stories, do, yeah. but no, not wow. like, I actually, at that moment, I blurted out, you know what? You're right. I think I am a writer. And I had literally not written anything in 11 years besides emails and maybe like the occasional thank you letter. Gosh, but you know what? I feel like everyone, so many people are waiting for that person to just come in, look at them and be like, you are this, you Absolutely. are that. Like, I think so many people have the toughest thing is just identifying what it is that you feel your purpose is or that you are meant to do in this world. You know, I feel like we have infinite potential, but that permission someone gives you is somehow the thing that ignites it, you know? Yeah. It was, um, it was really interesting. And, 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 you know, so I was like, okay, well, so I am a writer, but I don't even know how to start thinking he might say like, go to UCLA extension or take an online course. And Uh he's like, for the next 30 days before you go to bed, you just set an intention that you are recovering your innate creativity. And then you just be the beginner. I'm like, oh, just be the beginner. Okay. (laughs) Um, But you know what? It sounded a little hokey, but I had nothing to lose. And so I just did it. And I still remember the day I just, you know, flipped up my shiny MacBook Air that like back in those days got like no use for anything besides like online shopping and Facebook. (laughs) And I just set a little intention, you know, I'm Emily. I give myself permission to be the beginner, tell the truth and have fun. And I was amazed that by simply suspending judgment, the words flowed freely. And I had a few sentences and then a few paragraphs. Then I had a chapter, like a real chapter. And I remember that week having a moment where I just started crying. And I was like, I'm going to be okay. And then it was like just the... You know, floodgates opened. floodgates opened and I started to play guitar and sing and write songs. What? I started to paint paintings, made an art studio in my house and big canvases full of color. I started to do improv and dance burlesque. Wow. And, it, you know, for as amazing as it was to discover that there was like an inspired creator living in me, like no wonder I was a hot mess before, right. you know, because I was so out of touch with myself. Um, 
other things started to happen. Like I didn't understand that the creative was so closely linked to the spiritual and they sort of like propel one another forward. And accessing my innate creativity triggered a cascade of spiritual changes. And so the first thing I noticed was my thoughts, like my resting thoughts in between doing things were less of like what I don't have, what other people have, what I need to be doing more of. And they were more like, that'd be a cool way to you know, connect that chapter or those two chapters, or that'd be a good song melody, or I like Mm. that color. Like, how can I get that into a painting? You know, they became more like inspired Right, I love that. And I didn't, I don't think I realized how, I don't think any of us realize how much those I'm not enough, fear of missing out, all those thoughts do for our physical health and like triggering cortisol all the time. And so that- Deplete you rather than fill you up. Totally depleting. Yeah, I just, I used to like always be exhausted and now I got all this energy. Yeah, because you have something you're excited about, you're passionate about. Exactly. And I wanted to be, it was like, I wanted to be present for my life. It was like, I was in those moments of inspiration, I felt connected to who I am and why I'm here. And so I didn't want to party anymore. I was like, my party was my passions. Right. Like I wanted to be present right. for those. 100%. And, um, and, you know, I still had sort of been cut carrying around this, like lugging around this like 10 piece luggage set of resentment for the ex-boyfriend and the ex-friends, even though I like had tried to do a million forgiveness sessions, mm-hmm. still kind of there. But as I started to access the creative and get into those moments of inspiration, those resentments alchemized to gratitude because I understood I had to take every step I'd ever taken to get to this moment, to this inspired moment where there's no place I'd rather be, that I was like, I needed to go through all that. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly I was grateful for them. And that just felt like a, a weight huge off. weight off my shoulders. It's so funny because it's literally just flipping a switch and seeing something in a new way yeah. that can happen instantaneously, but you have to be ready to do it, right? Yeah. It was literally like, you know, like the bathroom's filled with steam and the mirror is not, you know, clear. And then yeah. all of a sudden you open the window yeah. and it just all got clear. Again, it's there all along. That reality is there all along. All it takes is just being like, oh, I can look at it like this. Yeah, and totally then everything way. else feels much better. Yeah. But it's like, oftentimes we don't think that's even a possibility. No, wait, I didn't even, yeah, we don't yeah. even know. Yeah. And, um, and as my belief in myself went up, the more I gave myself permission to kind of you know, go through all these doors of perceived fear. Um, my love for myself went up, my competition with women went down. And this was just the most like immediate and radical and amazing feeling I'd ever felt. Suddenly I had this amazing camaraderie with other women that I hadn't really ever felt before. And especially women who had already discovered these things I was just learning about. They were daring to live their dreams and be the beginner. And, and I felt a very real compassion for women who are still stuck in these prisons of perfection, because let's face it, I'd been waxing that prison floor for like 32 years at that point. So I knew that my life's work would be something around helping other women, you know, free themselves from these prisons of perfection through cultivating their um, creative spark. I love that angle. I really love that angle of it. It's very tangible. Yes. It's a a very tangible, like action oriented way of getting yourself free. Yeah. And it's so cool because what I found, I mean, I literally did not think I had a creative bone in my body till I found out I had a massive, you know, creative spark inside of me. And so I know it's inside everybody. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I do these writing workshops. I'm trained in the specific writing methodology that's really cool that we do on my retreats. What's and it called? It's called the Gateless Method. And I'm super excited. I'm on my way to New York on Monday to go lead a workshop there. I'd love to hear more about it. What What yeah. is the method? So what it is is... Um, 
It comes from Eastern thought, but it's rooted in creative brain science, and it goes directly to the raw seed of your creative genius, working in the reticular activating system of the brain. Mm -hmm. So in the reticular activating system, what we focus to grows. So mm -hmm. in typical MFA writing programs, less than 1% of people go from the program on to be published authors. Like that's crazy. Like if mm. you think about engineering or something like that, like 1% right. of people that invest all this time and all this money, that's gonna be the profession. So they started looking at why that is. And traditional MFA writing programs are heavily rooted in critique and what's not working about the work. You know, it's like that red pen, Absolutely. run on sentence, yeah, fragment. Yeah, I went to art school, it's the same way. All this stuff, yeah. right? But the amygdala in our brain does not know the difference between like a grizzly bear attacking us or an eighth grade teacher's red pen. Right. And we just start to shut down. And when the amygdala shuts down, we're shutting down memory recall, imagination, and creativity. Hmm. So in this particular methodology, which they've now studied it, you know, places like Yale and Johns Hopkins, American University, um, we focus to what works about the work. And so there's a meditation that we do, then we go into a specific prompt. And I like to do like juicy prompts so we can really get, at, mm -hmm. you know, healing stuff that's inside of us that wants to come forth. And then we do read arounds. And when we read out loud, we get feedback from the group, but we only talk about what has power. We only talk about what has energy. And then oh, if you do it sequentially over a number of days, what ends up happening is what gets acknowledged gets stronger while what doesn't get acknowledged just starts to naturally schluff away. Oh. And it's just fascinating for everybody to see what comes forth as the week continues on on the retreat. Wow. And you know, this particular retreat that I had last week, aside from one girl that was a PhD poet, so unbelievable, her, her words, nobody identified as a writer. And then it was so cool on day three to start seeing like the sensual poet emerge or like the really sarcastic humor yeah. emerge from another girl. And because uh, someone had like just tapped into it, like I loved when you did this science, yes. they're like, oh wow, I did that. Okay, so now I can do more of that. And it gave them that confidence. To Absolutely. Build it. It's, um, we are all innate storytellers. You know, even mm -hmm. if we're not putting pen to paper or mm -hmm. fingers to keyboard, we tell stories to our friends and family all the time. It's woven in our spiritual DNA. Mm -hmm. um, I always say, you know, writing's like the gateway drug to creativity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, oftentimes, you know, if you came to a workshop, you would have all sorts of craft tools that you're doing that you don't even know are craft tools because they're just so normal to you. And then when it gets acknowledged, you're like, oh, I did do that, didn't right. I? And then you start doing more of it right. in different capacities. Wow. So yeah. it's super fun. That's really cool. So how many women typically attend one of these workshops? Um, not, well, different the one in New York will be bigger. It'll probably be like 30 people. But uh -huh. on the retreat, we had nine people and then 10, including me. Yeah. And it's called the Mermaid. The Mermaid Sisterhood. The Mermaid Sisterhood. Yeah. And it's in Costa Rica. It's in Costa Rica. Yeah. So I do it with my partner, Manet. Um, and he does all of the cooking and all of the surf wow. lessons. Oh my God. What a dream. <laughs> and the surf lessons are amazing too, too, because everybody shows up and is like, I'm a little scared of the ocean. Beginners, I don't really yeah. surf. And then by the end, everyone's catching waves and surfing. And so it's really cool to have these two different healing modalities that are really quite different that, that we really get to see visceral transformation in a pretty short period of time. I love that. Okay. So we fast forwarded a bit. So you were, you hadn't met your partner yet on your, no, on your I journey. Had not so met my partner how yet. did this all happen? So I was with another man when uh -huh. I, when I broke through on all my creativity and it, it changed me on such a foundational level that it changed the alignment with mm -hmm. that partner. Um, I'm really grateful for that partner though. He was, he was a bridge, you know, to another, another phase of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but it didn't end up working out between us. And I started, I was still, you know, working in traditional um, corporate America back in those days, and starting to write on the side and starting to share things online. And then I started doing some coaching and then I started leading my retreats. I started leading my retreats on my vacations of my other jobs and my other job. And then I, I started in Mexico leading retreats. And then when I was, when I was just out of college, I backpacked through Costa Rica for five months and just had a love affair with Costa Rica. And so I was like, okay, I want to start leading retreats in Costa Rica. So I started doing that in the Northern part of Costa Rica. And one time I was on a retreat and I was sitting on my surfboard and I, this guy was just exploding Uh. above me. And I was just so high from the retreat. And I was like, you know what? I don't know how and I don't know when, but I'm going to live here one day. Wow. In Costa Rica. I just like, I just blurted it out kind of to the wind. I just got chills. The ocean. Yeah. I know that feeling when you just know something. Yeah. yeah. just like something. And I had always felt that way, like from the very first time I went to Costa Rica, like I was like a coming home in a way. Wow. I definitely have had a past life there. Huh. Um, and so I was like, okay, if I'm going to spend more time in Costa Rica, I want to go back to the town I remember loving the most in Costa Rica because it's kind of hard to get to, this place, Santa Teresa. Yeah, Brian, it's his favorite place ever. Yes. He loves it. I love it. And, um, and so I went back there on a solo trip. And when I was there, I just had this, I, I loved it even more because now there's amenities. There's organic food and there's, uh-huh. you know, restaurants and shops uh-huh. and things that make it more livable. Uh-huh. Um, and while I was there, I met. And how long ago is this? This was about three and a half years ago. Okay. And while I was there, I met a charming French surfer mm-hmm. and we had a whirlwind romance. And when he, and then he convinced me to extend my ticket and we took a surf trip all around the country together. So and then when he dropped me off at the airport in his like broken English, he was like, <laughs> darling, you know from when I work in the restaurant, I, the men know exactly what he wants. He said, I have the chocolate cake. The woman, the woman, she said, I have the chocolate cake. No, no, I want the pineapple thing. No, no, I have the ice cream. So I know the woman, she changed her mind. So you go home, you think about it. You want to come back, we make a baby. Oh my God. <laughs> this is after like two weeks. Uh, I'm like, um. oh, I love that. I was a little unsure. I wasn't You're like, like, I really don't know if I want the ice cream or the chocolate cake. Right? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. And I came, I was living in Venice just over here. Wow. And I was like my like really cute little bungalow. And I, it was nothing like I liked my life here. You know, it wasn't yeah. like I was like escaping, but I just, I just thought to myself, you know, I, I gave it a week and I just kept sleeping on it and sleeping on it. And I looked around at my like beautiful things and it was just kind of like, it's just stuff. I want to go have an adventure. Wow. I don't know if it's going to be that, you know, Three with and a half this years man. Ago. I don't know if we're going to have the baby, but I think I'm going to go explore it and See try. what's out there. Yeah. And now we do have a little two-year-old oh daughter. Oh my gosh. Just like us. We have a two, almost two-year-old. Yeah. When's her birthday? June 21st. Oh, it's July 25th. Wow. What's her name? Saya Moon. That's beautiful. And your daughter? Amelie. Amelie. Oh, I love that name. Amelie my name wasn't Sophia. Emily. We might have named her Amelie. <laughs> Well, that is incredible. So you move back, you move there, and then what happened? Yeah, so I moved there, and and yeah, we just, I mean, in the beginning, we still have like a lost in translation almost every single day, which sometimes creates some friction, <laughs> but there's so much love, and and yeah, we joined forces on the retreats. We're like, we have a very synergistic working relationship. We're wow. building a retreat and wellness center together. Wow. In Santa um, Teresa. Mm-hmm. So we are... Yeah, we're just in the beginning phases of that. Oh my and goodness. yeah, we're just, we have our life there. We're very happy there. We're, we're surfers. We surf together every morning. Um, 
You love living there? I love it. Love so much. It wow. is just for, for this time and chapter in my life, I can't imagine being anywhere else. I, I don't know what the future holds. Right. You're in the present. Um, you know, because who knows, you know, for high school, I don't know if it's really the place. Who knows? It could change between. Who knows what's going to happen yeah. in the world, right? Yeah. What's high school even going to mean when our kids right. are in high school? Right. But it might not be the best place for her at that time. And then uh-huh. I would go wherever she wants to go. Right. But she has three passports, so. <laughs> Lucky. Just Lucky girl. What are the three? French, in- American, and Costa Rican. Oh, or, or EU. Yeah. American, amazing. Incredible. So you have a lot of options. Yeah. <laughs> she certainly does. But yeah, yeah we would, we're not married. But, oh, okay. Um, Got it. But if we wanted to get married. Yeah, to make it happen. Yeah. yeah. That's really inspiring to follow your heart and take a leap of faith in that way. And yeah, it truly is also like that beginner's mind, like not knowing, not having to know how it's all going to turn out, but following your heart and where it wants to lead you and trusting. I tell everybody like being the beginner has gotten me everything in my life that I value. That's important to me because it's just willing to do things and not be perfect. And it's okay. 100%. I, I think I never really thought about it that way, but I think for myself as well. I think that I just, I don't um, get caught up in needing to be perfect and I'm willing to just take on something even if I don't know how. And that's how you get anywhere, right? Yeah. And that's where all the gifts live. You know, we're, there's the perfection programming is so thick that we're really wary of being in a process. Hmm. You know, the process is messy. The process reveals the cracks. It shows our imperfections, but the process is where all the good stuff lives. You know, it's where the meaning, the fulfillment, the joy are. It's where the growth happens, really. And like really in that place where we expand, that's where the light comes yeah. in. So and that's we always you, think it's the finished yeah. thing that's where the reward is, but it's actually really in the journey. A hundred percent. And that's why we get nostalgic about like childhood and because we're having so many first times as beginners, right? Total beginners. And then once we become an adult, we're like, oh, we have to know how to do things. We have to be like in our little role and, you know, a professional at this or that. But who says we have to do that? Oh, I know. And, and oftentimes like we, at least I know I was doing this, I didn't. I almost thought I wasn't allowed to do it if I wasn't going to be good at it. Huh. You know, like, like it's too it, indulgent. <laughs> yeah. Or like, I don't know. It's just, you start to get good at certain things. And so, and so you're you sort of just like, this is what yeah. I do. And you don't realize like, no, you can just do anything and you don't have to be amazing at it. It's just right. to participate. It's your, you have permission to do whatever you'd like to do <laughs> yeah. in your time on this earth. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> okay. So then going back to what you were describing about, you know, when you work with people, and you're coaching these people to, I, I think you mentioned to find love is your yes. is your ultimate um, sort of calling what people come to you for. So can you tell us a little bit about that? So yes. coaching people and women specifically to find their soulmate and their love. Absolutely. I mean, I always joke around like if, if someone had told me in my late 20s that I would have way more high quality guys after me in my late 30s, I would have thought they were drunk or like batshit crazy, especially <laughs> like coming of age in L.A. Oh, yeah. But that is exactly what happened. And um, that happened because I started to have higher value for myself mm. through discovering all these parts of myself. Um, and really the creative is a great act of self-love because we have to give ourselves so much permission. We had the the creative forces us to be authentic and vulnerable. And those are the qualities that are actually what makes you lovable. And it brings you into the present. You have to be present with yourself and slow down to do that. And the presence, the only place that joy can exist. So when we're present, our vibration, our energetic vibration is so much higher, you know, for focus to the 
future, that's all fear and anxiety. If we're focused to the past, that's all regret and mm-hmm. sadness. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the there's the if the more things that we can find that deliver us into the present, that's when life just flows. So Absolutely, much and also like when we're actually engaging with something. I feel like so often these days, it's very much on social media or like doing something so passively that's not actually requiring us to use our own abilities and our own, you know, tapping into our own gifts and talents that we have inside of us. And so asking yourself to do something that's participating rather than just being passive, I think is such a game changer. Yeah. No, it's, it's a really good point. So, yeah. So in my, in my coaching program, you know, it's called the way of the radiant woman. So I help, you know, women, discover different types of modalities that feed their radiance because there's so many things that we do as women unconsciously that depletes our radiance. Mm. And so, and, and, and you don't know until you don't, until you know. And so, um, I love being a guide for helping women, you know, fall in love with themselves. And because that's really when it just becomes so easy for love to, to find you. 100%. So how do people feed that radiant woman within them? What are your, your like, most reached for tools in the toolbox or tips that you can give people listening? Well, one of the most powerful things, and I still do it daily, is to wake up and write down 10 things you have gratitude for and why. Mm. Because again, we have the reticular activating system in our brain. And so if we get up in the morning and even just journal about what's not going right in our lives, you know, I know some women who come to me, they're like, I'm already journaling in the morning. But if we're talking about what's hard and what's not going right, then we're setting up our reticular activating system for the entire day to look for the problems. Right. And so, and we're placing ourselves in that energetic frequency of that whatever that problem is. Well, it's of lack, you know? So if we're vibrating in a place of limitation and lack, that's very difficult to manifest abundance and love is a part of abundance. So if we can start just getting in that different place um, of starting the day with what is working and what we have gratitude for. And the key is really not just making a list of what you're grateful for, but talking about the why, Mm. because this isn't lip service. We want to change our vibrational frequency. And usually for me, by the time I get to like item four or five, I'm vibrating in a completely different place. Mm. And you know, the thing about consciousness is it's not a line that we cross. It's like brushing our teeth. It's a practice. We have to do it every day or we don't feel good. Um, You know, I had a friend of mine, an old childhood friend come to visit me recently and he's struggling with drinking, a drinking problem. And it's really sad because his wife and kids are not going along for that ride. And we were having a conversation about it. And he was like, you know, I just have anxiety and this is the thing that helps me. And I'm like, well, if I didn't write down my daily gratitudes, if I didn't surf, if I didn't eat the way that I do, Mm -hmm. if I didn't do work that was meaningful to me and have Mm -hmm. vulnerable conversations with people, I would have anxiety too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it takes vigilance to be happy. And I think it takes people giving, like you, and like I do, giving people tools to know what even to do to get themselves out of that Absolutely. Situation. And I was gifted with so many tools. I mean, I've been working with my teacher for over 12 years and now teaching this, that his program that he trained me in for six years. And so wow. that's where I got all of my training and all of my information. So he personally trained you? Yeah. Wow. So he trained you in his... So you said he's an artist, but he's also a spiritual teacher. Mm-hmm. And so can you share with us some of his teachings and sort of the, me- the method and approach? Yeah, every, everything I teach is, is what he taught me. Wow. So it's, he, he, um, he, his 
program is called Spirit Nature. And it's, it's understanding who we are at our most granular fundamental selves, which is energy and looking mm. at ourselves through that lens of energy. So just as I was referring to before, like all of our thoughts have energy vibrations associated mm. with them. So seeing how energy impacts our life, you know, I, I was operating from such a place of perfection for so many mm-hmm. years those thoughts were forming a block right. inside of my spiritual physical universe and it that made me your feel like I wasn't creative, uh-huh. which was a huge illusion. So one of the biggest things is if, if you're in pain of some sort, anybody who's listening, there's some sort of an illusion there. Mm-hmm. And that I find to be a very freeing understanding because that means we can tear down that illusion and feel a lot better. Mm. So when we're aligned with the essence of who we truly are, life is meant to work. I mean, let's look at nature. We can always look at nature as a guiding light for us. Nature is meant to work. Mm. It works when it's given sunlight and rain and the and this the ingredients that it mm-hmm. needs to thrive. So we just need to make sure we're giving ourselves those ingredients mm-hmm. to thrive. Um, so the gratitude thing's a big one. And I actually wear a bracelet on my wrist and I... Rose quartz. <laughs> yes, rose quartz. And... Throughout my day, I try to catch myself if I'm negative in thought about anyone to myself and just ma- just switch it with a statement of gratitude. Oh, I love that. Switch it from, from wrist to wrist. Wrist to wrist. Just to make that just, okay. Yeah. It's just a quiet thing. I don't make it a big announcement. Right. Um, <laughs> I love that. And so, so she's wearing a rose quartz beaded bracelet around her wrist. And to to switch the thought, she tangibly switches the the bracelet to the other wrist. Yeah, and a statement of gratitude or, you know, I, I ask myself, what's the gift in this situation? Because in every situation, you know, there's a there's a gift. Like life is not happening to you. It's happening for your mm. greatest benefit and evolution. That is a really helpful way of looking at something, and anything. So, and, and sometimes a gift, you know, it's not necessarily like the gifts we're used to getting, you know, under the Christmas tree. It's like, oh, the gift is forgiveness. The gift is yeah. greater compassion. The gift is awareness because really awareness is the first step to any kind of change. A hundred percent. You can't change something you're not aware of and that you don't know is happening or that you're doing. And I think the piece you said before about that responsibility for your life. Radical personal responsibility yeah. is the fastest way to change your life. Mm-hmm. The absolute fastest. Because it's very, very difficult to manifest anything if we're in that place where we feel sorry for ourselves. And I get it. Bad, hard things happen. They still happen to me. Like new level, new devil. Mm. But just remembering those tools, you have tools in your toolbox to go to and say, okay, well, what's my tool I'm going to use right now to feel better? Okay, I have gratitude I can use. I'm going to radical personal responsibility, find the gift. Mm. That's another one. Absolutely. So going back to this writing technique, you said that there's like a very specific way to hack into your creativity. Can you tell us more about that? Because I think everyone would love to be more creative, but like you said, there's not, you know, not everyone was brought up feeling like they're a creator. Right. No, I mean, it's not nurtured in a lot Mm -hmm. of people. And in fact, there's an organization called creativeminds.org. And they say that children of five operate with 85% of their creativity. And by the time they get to 12, it goes down to 2%. Oh my God. Because we get into school, there's a right answer. We want to get that right answer. It's heartbreaking. It's really, it's really like, I'm like, you know, rethinking school. I know. (laughs) In general for my daughter. Yeah. It's really scary. But, um, but yeah, you know, writing in general, like I said, I think it really is the gateway drug. So it's a great thing for anybody to begin with if you want to start tapping into your creative passion. Um, the first step is 
setting an intention, mm -hmm. setting an intention about giving yourself permission, permission to be the beginner, um, setting, setting an intention before you go to bed that you want to reconnect with that part of yourself. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, rooting into the ground and getting grounded because sometimes we're so ungrounded and we have so many thoughts going on. We're like checking Facebook, we're checking Instagram, we're checking WhatsApp, email, like there's just so many things. You need to like make space for creativity. Mm -hmm. So going to a quiet place, grounding into the earth. And lighting incense, lighting a candle. Incense, breathing. Setting the mood, yeah. And, um, you know, because I lead this writing methodology, usually I will lead a, well, I always lead a meditation that grounds us, roots us. And then really powerful writing is all about the senses, you know, grounding the reader in the senses. So the, med the meditations usually involve a meditation where we're, you're, you're become aware of your senses. You become mm -hmm. aware of what you're smelling. Memoir writing in specific goes to a specific point in time mm -hmm. in the writer's life. So bringing that person to a memory. What were you wearing? Were you wearing a scratchy dress? Did you have to kiss an aunt that always smelled like baby powder and gin? Like really <laughs> yeah, getting placing into the, yourself there. those really juicy details yeah. and painting the scene. Yeah. Um, and then, and then it just happens really naturally with the feedback sessions. And what's cool about the feedback sessions too, is that um, it feels like a love bath for your creativity. Mm. You're just being loved on. And then also the group just gets to bond so quickly. After the first writing workshop, there's no more small talk the rest of the retreat. I love that. <laughs> you know, it reminds me, it's like, I, I studied art therapy in grad school. Oh, cool. And part of the reason I was drawn to it, it's because it's this ability to cut through the bullshit, what you're describing. It's like you're sharing your soul with people as you're sharing your art. And so it's this kind of... Um, it's like this less scary version of spilling your guts out. <laughs> you know, it's like you get to do it through a story or through a piece of art. It's absolutely art therapy. Yeah. It is the definition yeah, of art that's therapy. Exactly. So you become so bonded in that ability to have someone witness that yeah. and be, it sounds like a cheerleader for you along that process, which absolutely. is so beautiful. And it's so fun too when we do it like over the course of a retreat because it's almost like you're binge watching Netflix. You're like, and back into your story <laughs> and back into your story. And then, you know, it's like you get so excited. I about love every, that. All the stuff and just, in terms of manifestation, because it sounds like that's also what you help people to do in your coaching work. The muscle of creating that memory and like really placing yourself strengthens the muscle to create the future experience, Absolutely. right? So if you're able to visualize the past and place yourself in that sensory experience and what it smells like, looks like, tastes like, feels like, you can then place yourself that much more easily into how you want to feel who you want to attract, what you want to embody, all of those things. Absolutely. And like a lot of times we're holding stuff, you know, like we're holding stuff in our heart that's that's dark or icky or painful and just transferring it onto the page. Like we don't have to hold that yeah. anymore. And so we're really just gigantic magnets like navigating across, around the planet, attracting not what we want into so our lives, true. but who we are. So huh. the more that we can let go of some of that old pastime stuff that isn't even really us anymore, we get a much better opportunity to call in an aligned partnership because we're calling that alignment in with who we are in this present moment. Yeah. Not like some old big mixed bag of yeah. stuff. And the writing creates the awareness as you spoke of. Oh, totally it's, creates the awareness. You, you make so many recognitions when yeah, you're writing. Yeah, it's bringing a flashlight onto yourself and saying, what, what do I have going on? What was that memory? Like, can we call it up and put it out and 
Yeah. Exactly. That's really awesome. It makes me want to start writing more. It really Yay. does. Maybe come on a retreat someday. I would love to. <laughs> Your husband can go surf. I mean, it'd be his dream. <laughs> Fully. And then our daughters could play together. Oh, it'd be so fun. <laughs> it'd be so awesome. So, so your book that comes out, um, can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes. Well, it's, it's very much the story. I, I sort of just gave you the story in the nutshell, uh-huh. um, but it also flashes back into my crazy LA party girl life. Ah, um, some juicy lots details. of shenanigans, <laughs> lots of juicy shenanigans. Um, but it's really this girl on day one, she knows nothing about nothing and she's in a lot of pain mm-hmm. and she starts to work with this teacher and he starts giving her information. She starts applying it to her life and her life starts to change as a result. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really like a self-help book, but encased in a very juicy story. So mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like hard work. That's really cool. To read. I'm excited to read it. Thank you. Yeah. And I just, I keep thinking like how fortunate it is that you met this spiritual teacher. It's just, I mean, clearly it wasn't an accident, but what was the, how did you get introduced to him? You know, it's interesting how I got introduced to him. I was working at an art gallery in my early 20s before I went to Costa Rica on my backpacking trip after college. And the woman who owned the gallery was a longtime family friend. And she, we were doing an opening that night. And she said, the artist that we're showing tonight is a clairvoyant energy healer. Do you want to do a session with him? And I really didn't even know what that meant, but I'm sort of the person that just says yes. And so I was like, yes. And so... I went to Costa Rica. I came back. I did one session with him. It absolutely rocked my world. I mean, he was like taking his hands over my hands like this and I couldn't pull my hand away. Like there was this like really strong magnetic pull and I just sobbed my eyes out. You know, it was two hours, felt like five minutes. I looked at myself in the mirror afterwards and just looked physically different. Wow. And um, just felt light as a feather. I just, I'd never felt like that before. It was something happened, you know? And then six years went by and I didn't call him. And I came down to LA, got wrapped up in a lot of crazy stuff, lots of living a life that wasn't authentic, partying, being very destructive, annihilating behaviors. And I think on some level, I thought he would judge me mm. um, or I had some shame around mm-hmm. sort of the life I was leading. And so I didn't reach out to him. And then when I was in my darkest moment, um, when the guy and I were breaking up and I really couldn't think of anybody to turn to, mm. I just was sort of like, the only person I could think of was that man. Wow. And so I reached back out to him and I was like, do you remember me? And that was 12 and a half years ago. And so what's your relationship like now? Still very close. How often do you speak? I mean, multiple times a week. Wow. Wow. So yeah, he came to the birth of my daughter in Costa Rica in Carmel. Okay. What's his name? Yeah. His name's James. Cool. Yeah. Sounds so he's, he's very like under the radar. Like okay. he doesn't have, he doesn't have a website. He doesn't have Instagram. Seems like a real deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the real deal. Yeah. So, um, but, but so what would you say to anyone who's sort of in your past experience where you're living a life that either does or does not look good on paper, but certainly does not feel good to be living and you feel stuck and you feel, you know, just like unsure how to make a shift in your life? Yeah. I would absolutely say that all of our feelings are messengers. You know, so if you're having anxiety or if you're having, you know, painful feelings or thoughts in any way, that's a message to let you know that there's something else for you that is far more aligned with your heart. And that's the good news. Mm. And so really seeing if you can connect with somebody that resonates with you Mm -hmm. to be a teacher, to be a guide, to have that support. I cannot, uh, you know, in my own life, just I can't underscore enough the value of one human being able to help another Mm. human. 
Like I shudder to think what I would be doing right now or who I would be had I not connected with that teacher. Mm. Such um, a good point. So, yeah, it's... Yeah, because the teacher reveals yourself to you, reveals the teacher within you. Absolutely. So it's not like you need this something from outside. It's you need someone to show you your own capabilities and your own healing power. Yes, absolutely. And also it's just possibly giving you a new set of information mm -hmm. to operate under because like really it's our information informs our beliefs and our beliefs inform our thoughts and our mm -hmm. thoughts create every single thing in our lives. So if life isn't working, we're operating off of a bunch of illusions and that information isn't supporting you. So it's important to get connected with supportive information. So like for me, an example of that was supportive information is I am personally responsible for every single thing in my life rather than, oh, poor me, bad things happen to me. Right. Because if you believe, oh, poor me, bad things happen to me, that's what's going to keep happening. 100%. I love that, the new information. And it informs what you said before as well, like about sickness, ailments in your body. It's like Absolutely. if you only believe X, Y, and Z is possible and you get sick and then you have to do this and you have to do that to get better or else you, you know, you don't get better, then you're stuck in this like very, very like rigid system. But if your information is swapped out with more expansive and more holistic approaches and just that your mind can actually make you better as well. Absolutely. I mean, there's a huge thing going around these days that a lot of women come to me like, I have an autoimmune disease mm -hmm. and I've connected with a doctor in the past couple of years. I'm actually doing my certification right now to be a detox specialist because cool. this is a whole other thing, but I had to heal from some pretty big um, chronic stop illnesses. Mm. And what I found is there is no such thing as an autoimmune disease. That is simply something that m traditional Western medicine has coined for mm. something they don't understand how to heal. They don't have a drug to heal it. So I know it's so it... vague, autoimmune disease. Yeah. Like every person has an autoimmune <laughs> yeah. disease. Yeah. But that, and that's something that never made sense to me. I'm like, again, we're nature. Nature's supposed to work. Why yeah. would our body be attacking itself? Right. That doesn't make sense. That's faulty information that's not supporting you in your so healing. So how do you perceive it? Well, I, everything I've learned is just from this doctor, Dr. Morris, who mm. is a radical naturopath, like grandfather naturopath. And he talks a lot about how really it's just different systems in our body are over-toxified. So the lymphatic system is um, not moving. It's stuck. The liver's sluggish. The kidneys aren't filtering and the bowels are obstructed. Mm -hmm. And so we need to get those systems working again. And once those systems start working again, then we heal. Mm -hmm. I mean, his cancer cure rate is 80%. He's cured AIDS, he's cured herpes, hep C, all these things that are incurable. What's his name? Dr. Robert Morris, mm -hmm. and he spells it M-O-R-S-E, like Morse code. And he has a very robust YouTube channel um, that's super, super high value. I've watched probably 30 hours plus about every single ailment. You can just Google whatever ailment. And thank you for that. It was through that his teachings that I healed my body. So what specifically really helped you? How did you do it on your own? So my, what happened with me was I decided to freeze my eggs. Mm -hmm. And I know this is a little bit of an unpopular story because I know I love the theory of freezing the eggs. I love it for women um, and the freedom it offers, but I got very, very sick what afterwards. Um, I got, it felt like somebody was stabbing me in the vagina oh, with a fireplace poker 24, seven, seven days a week for like a year. No. It was the most like horrible yeast infection. Oh. It, I mean, I wouldn't have called it a yeast infection because it didn't feel like that. But when I went to go get tested at the doctor's office, that's what they told me I had. I didn't have anything else. Um, so, I mean, we're talking like I can't even wear jeans. I can't Poor have sex. <laughs> oh my God. You can't 
do anything. It was misery. Oh my god! So I did all the stuff that the traditional people say, go on the candida diet. I did that. Well, first I just tried like the regular medicine at the doctor's office. That did not work. Then I went on the candida diet. Then that turned into like the paleo thing. Um, I was, you know, Chinese medicine, holistic doctors, naturopaths, taking blood out of my body, putting it through the oxygen chamber, putting it back in. I mean, I did everything. And it wasn't until I found Dr. Morris, um, and his teachings, and he really teaches healing with fruit and, um, everything I'd heard. I hadn't eaten fruit in three years, you know, healing with fruit. Tell me more. Tell me more. This is incredible. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, terrified of fruit, major fruit fear because of the sugar. Oh my gosh. I love fruit. Um, <laughs> which another thing never seemed to add up. I'm like, <laughs> Okay, that's from the Nature earth. made this gorgeous, most perfect, yeah. Yes, and like, I'm supposed to heal my like leaky gut and my candida with boiled meat. Like it just didn't seem- Is that a thing? To make sense. Yeah, because like the GAPS diet and the paleo and all oh, this God. and the low sugar. Yeah. That's like that's what a lot of people are teaching out there. Huh. And I was getting like good fats, high fat, and I was getting sicker and sicker. And it wasn't until I found Dr. Morris that- he talked all about the healing powers of fruit and how fruit is actually our species specific food because we're large primates and what do large primates eat? Mostly fruit and some leaves. And mm. so we can look at our digestive system, very short, fruit digests the fastest for us and it is pure glucose, it goes right into our cell, wrapped in fiber. So it is a very slow uptake mm. of sugar into our bloodstream. Um, so fruits are species specific food and the really astringent fruits like citrus and grapes will really move the lymphatic wow. and really like lift everything. What about wine? <laughs> <laughs> Organic wine? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know about that one, but so, so yeah, so I, last year I went on a pretty radical fruit detox for almost six months. Wait, just fruit? What about vegetables? I, um, well, I went raw and so I did 95% fruit, like 5% salads for like two months. And then I went completely, or three months, and then I went completely fruit for like two and a half months. And just then I did, fruit every yeah. meal? I mean, that sounds like a dream. Yeah. Well, yeah. I live in Costa Rica, <laughs> yeah. so it's easier there. And avocado is considered a fruit, right? Yeah, but I didn't do avocado because the it's, it's high fruit, low fat. Oh. You don't want to really want to do fat if you're cleansing because it's too much on the liver. And so I did, um, I was on a pretty robust herb protocol too. But when I did 100% fruit, I literally did have zero candida. Zero. That's the one thing that it just totally took it away. And so my eyes are like wide open right now. Wow. I know it's shocking. <laughs> it was shocking to me too. It was, it was difficult. It was difficult on my relationship. Um, I lost 20 pounds, 20 pounds from what I look like right now. Oh my gosh. So you it, must've disappeared. It was, I was like, I didn't want to leave the house. You oh. know, it was like, cause God. people but you were, were like, in like a state of like, like severe, you did like your own like chemo to yourself. Yeah. I basically, basically. did like this I was just stripping away all of it. Wow. Um, I never felt better in my life though. Mentally, I was just, I had the same exact energy at 11 at night that I had at 8 a.m. I needed like five hours of sleep. I had, I was just so aware and like, I was so like Clear. my clairvoyance. Um, I would look at a flower and just be like, oh, the wow. flower. Oh my gosh. What fruits were you eating? Watermelon, papaya, mango, bananas, dates, oranges, um, those were the main ones. Mm. Strawberries. Yeah, so anything local to you guys. Yeah. All the stuff that uh -huh. we, we, all the stuff that they just have yeah. the local farmers yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So then, so you did that for six. I did it for almost six months. Yeah. Oh my 
And then you had no zero symptoms. And so, how long so was this? Um, I came out of it in October. Okay. Yeah. And so then what? You integrated. Now I eat about 80% fruit. So I'll do like eight fruit meals and then like a cooked meal. I try. Dr. Moore says if you stay 80% raw, you'll never have chronic illness after you do your initial detox. Wow. So and he works with cancer t- patients, you said. Yeah. He's, he's like has an amazing, you know, track record. That's super, super. It's funny. He has one of his videos. He says, people are like, well, okay, I get You're talking about fruit, but what about when you're really sick? He's like, guys, fruit is the big guns. Like fruit is what will heal you. So I tell, you know, the girls that I work with, the girls, you know, that come on my retreats is if you can just, at the very least, if you just start your day with some lemon water, Mm -hmm. then celery juice, Mm -hmm. then just eat fruit till noon. That alone will make you feel so much better. You'll be so much more radiant. You'll ha- your skin will glow so much more because what we lose with the cooked food is we lose the hydration because mm. we're cooking out the water. So the fruit, even just regular water, doesn't hydrate us. We have to make it enzymatic with a lemon. Otherwise, it's doing absolutely nothing Good thing for I us. offered you lemon water. I know. Today. I'm like, yes, I love that lemon. <laughs> I, was, I didn't even know who I was having over in this sense, but I did the right thing. <laughs> you actually get way more hydrated just eating juicy watery fruits like watermelon huh. oranges wow do you know the longevity diet with walter longo do you have you are you familiar with walter longo's work uh-uh. i'd be curious what you think about that too okay. it's like um the fasting fast mimicking diet so doing fasting yeah it's like it's like a fast mimicking so oh, okay. it's supposed to teach your uh Convince your body that you're fa- you're basically fasting without having to fast. Oh, you're eating like the bare bare minimum. Okay, is he the one that says that after like three o'clock to have dates and bananas? Mm-mm. Okay, because yeah, I've read uh, something similar that you can kind of trick your body into mm-hmm. that. But Dr. Morris says that too. He goes, the real way to heal yourself is to not eat at all. And he's like, we look at babies and at animals when they're sick, they don't want to eat, mm. they don't want to drink because the body, that's how the body heals itself. Mm. Um, using, using the resources to heal itself. Because the digest, we don't realize, one thing I discovered during this time was how much energy digestion takes. Like yeah. when we're not giving it hard to digest foods, yeah. we have so much more energy. Huh. And so, um, so yeah, the thing was, so I also got into dry fasting. Have you heard about Mm-mm. that? So that's when you have no food or no water. So the longest I got up to was 48 hours, but I was doing weekly 24 hour dry fast. And then I was doing like 16 hour intermittent dry fasts. In no the night. water. No food, no water. And what that does is the body's so smart. I'm so just in awe of our bodies, but the healthy cells will take the water from the diseased cells to survive. And the disease cells instantly incinerate. Starves them. Yeah. It takes them away. And yeah. so they've actually done a study, I think it was at USC with cancer patients after they'd just gotten chemo yeah. and they dry fasted them for three days. And the people they dry fasted had such a better huh. reaction to the chemo than the ones that Absolutely. didn't. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's similar to, Dal- to Longo's approach as well. It's the idea of just having those, um, whether it be cancer cells or just malfunctioning cells, be starved. Yeah. yeah. I've slacked a little on the dry fasting because I'm trying to gain weight. And mm-hmm. so it just, it's harder. If you're trying to lose weight, highly recommend it. If you're trying to gain weight, it's a little tricky. Yeah. It is tricky to manage all of that stuff to still be balanced and like have a good relationship. Like how, how has it impacted your relationship embarking on this? Yes. It was very difficult when I was in it. Cause I mean, he was looking at me and I was like, waste to yeah. him. I was like wasting away. Yeah. He's like my beautiful, you know, right. he calls me his wife, even though I'm my beautiful wife. Um, and I was like, you just have to trust me. 
you have to trust me. This is, I feeling better on the inside, even though I don't look better, it's going to come back. And, um, and he almost went like the opposite direction in defiance. And he's a French chef. Oh so he's goodness. like, he's pissed off. Yeah. He's pissed. And overnight it was like, okay, we're not going out for wine. We're yeah, not like. It changes up your whole it dynamic. It changed our entire dynamic. Yeah. Um, but then I started to meet him more halfway as I started to rebuild. Uh-huh. Um, and then he did not announce it to me or anything. But on January 1st, he quit alcohol, coffee, red meat, and smoking weed. Wow. And that like really brought us into wow. just like an amazingly more beautiful alignment we're closer than we've ever been wow. now after almost feeling like maybe we might not even make it right right because another like shift in like where you're at right and having to re re-meet each other at yeah. that point and that happens in a relationship especially a long-term relationship like especially if you're on a path of growth you're not always going to be growing at the same rate at the same time in the same way mm-hmm. and like just giving each other space to like mm-hmm. have your journeys and do your different things and yeah. i'm super proud of him he's made some major shifts this year he just actually did nine days in the deep jungle on a vision quest with no food no water for five days and then they brought him three fruits and a thermos of san pedro on day five then he had two days again with no food and then they brought him more on day seven and then he came out on day nine Wow. So I'm like, and how is he doing? (laughs) He's doing amazing. (gasps) Wow. Wow. So that was pretty powerful to go pick him up from that. He just, he was like, I joke around. I'm like, if you really want your man to appreciate you, just send him into the jungle for nine days with very limited food and water. That is crazy. And then what about like when you did, you know, this fast and you're losing this weight and I understand you are healing, but staying in that like feminine sort of sensual place yeah. Was that difficult? That was a very difficult time. Yeah. It was, um, I didn't even want to like really take off my clothes, right. you know, right. because yeah. I was, I really was like, I mean, there was a couple months there where my ass sort of looked like a 96 year old man. Uh, yeah. It's great. <laughs> and it was interesting for me because it was like growing up, I always got sort of a lot of attention for my outer mm-hmm. figure. You know, when I started this I looked, I looked fine. Like mm-hmm. I was, my body looked good. It was like, I was doing this totally for the inner. You were doing a healing work. I'm doing a being, healing yeah. work, but it was. But so now you have zero pain. I'm totally better. I mean, it's, it's always a journey. I think, I see, that's where we get, I think in our culture with detox. Oh, I did a juice fast like three years ago. Mm-hmm. We clean our house. We clean our cars all the time. So why would we not be cleaning our bodies? Right. So, so for me, I need to stay that 80% yeah. raw, high fruit, low fat. And then, but then it can still have some meals and feel like satisfied. We're going to Europe for six weeks this summer. So I'm, where are you going? We are going on a road trip through France, Italy, and Spain. Incredible. Wow. So I'm going to be doing some indulgences, but then I want to, you know, stay that 80% high fruit, some, right. you know, salads. I have never heard that before about the fruit. Yes. That's my first time hearing this. Yeah. And this is he prescribes for any sort of ailment? It's yeah, if you're thing. like stage four cancer, he'll put you on lemons and, and grapes. That's it. Wow. Like the real, that's like the real big guns, lemons and grapes. And then he has his herbs too. So I've been on an herb protocol for almost a year. Wow. But so, detoxing is really an art. Like you don't want to just go and do it on your own. You need, like, you need help. You want some support because you want to do, you, you need to make sure your elimination channels are open before you start detoxing. Otherwise you will start blocked. reabsorbing the right. toxins that you've lifted back into your body and feeling much worse. Right. Oh my God. Absolutely. So have you gone and seen somebody? Yeah. I did an iridology reading with his clinic. So this eye, each eye correlates to the same side of your body hmm. and it tells you everything about your liver, your lungs, everything can be seen in the eye. Is that right? It's so fascinating. Where did you go do this? At his clinic. Where is it? It's in Florida, but I did it on Skype. 
what? So he looked into your eyes on Skype? No, you, you take this picture in this special way with a light and you, you send it in. And then they can do an analysis on it. That is crazy. I know, these bodies. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, it, they're, they're, they're so magical. Wow, so There's what did no you learn from your eyes? Well, that's the really interesting thing. I thought I was healing from Candida, uh -huh. but what I learned was Candida was the guy screaming fire and I was trying to kill him. The Candida was letting me know that there were systems in my body that were massively compromised. And that's what happened with taking all those hormones from the egg freeze. I just totally threw off my body. And then it was a huge toxic level on my liver. My kidneys weren't filtering. We want our urine to be cloudy. Um, we all think we want it to be clear, but we do not. We do. Yeah, because then it's showing that the acids are being filtered out of the body. If it's clear, the acids are staying in the body. But isn't it that if it's like yellow, it's like you're dehydrated a bit? Um, I mean, that's debatable. It's if you're doing a detox and you're, and you're, urine is like dark brown or yellow, you're getting all the stuff out. Huh. So after you start dry fasting, you start filtering. That's the reason. That's one of the main reasons that you want to dry fast. Um, after my first 24 hour dry fast, I started seeing cloudy in my urine. Wow. Well, it's interesting. Many ancient cultures have always had a fast, you know, aspect. To oh, them, totally. Right? So that is the way the body's way of detoxifying and cleansing and rebooting, resetting, you know. Totally. I mean, it's just even, I mean, it's a silly metaphor, but even us, like we need to turn off the phone. We the need phone. to turn off the computer for it to like work properly 100%. again. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So it's giving the bodies a chance to like completely reset. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, when we stop eating, that energy can go to the other, where it, the healing, heal, where yeah. it needs to do the healing. Um, so, so Yeah. I mean, it's so exciting to me, just all this research and all of these resources that are giving people the ability to heal with alternative modalities and take and with diet and with, you know. And I used to work in the pharmaceutical yeah. industry. So I've come full circle. Like I really know I'm not like this really alternative. I wasn't raised this way at all. This is what was led, where I was led because I tried every single other thing. Wow. Any other things, any other things you're doing that people should know about? Um, I get regular colonics. Uh -huh. um, if you don't know what that is, it's- I've actually never had a colonic. Game changer. Really? <laughs> game changer of life, another I mean, one. I've heard that from many, many people. Yeah. Um, that's, it's super powerful. And there's just such a connection between our gut and our brain and our mm. mood. So mm -hmm. that was a big aha for me. And just in terms of like positivity and optimism and clarity. And now I'm really aware of when I eat certain foods and then I don't feel good afterwards. I don't just feel good in my body. I also like don't feel good in my mind. Mm. It's like, a, it's almost like you go into a smaller version of yourself, mm. like not as an expansive, optimistic, everything's possible kind of person. Right. And you're more, you go more into the small self. Well, you absorb the energy of what you're eating. Exactly. Yeah. And how it's been grown or Fed. Yeah. Definitely. So what, what it all basically comes down to the pH scale, like acid and alkaline, if you remember that from chemistry mm -hmm. class. So certain foods are acidic and certain foods are alkaline. When we eat the acidic food, the body doesn't want that acid. So it throws up mucus to protect the body mm. from that acid. And then the mucus hardens in the body and creates obstructions. Wow. And then the lymph's not flowing. The cells aren't communicating properly. The bowels don't eliminate properly. And so the fruit has an astringent quality that removes the obstruction. Right, it's like when you have like an enzyme mass that you put on, like a papaya mass that you put on your face and it like kills the 
all the build up, all the build up, exactly. Yeah. And so then what happens is, is when we bring in the emotional component, because probably your listeners are are awake and they're tuned mm -hmm. into the fact that our emotions do impact our health. Mm -hmm. um, if there's trauma and you, you know, 16 years old, your boyfriend breaks up with you, I'm going to go out for pizza and eat a tub of ice cream. Mm -hmm. Those are highly mucus forming foods. The trauma gets stuck wow. in the body within that obstruction. So it was really interesting when I was doing my detox, I was having dreams of people from my past, food from my past, all this stuff as I was sort of like releasing the obstruction. It was like I had to feel it again. And mm. I had to, you know, we have to feel it to heal it as it was, as it was letting go. And I know there's such a connection, you know, we always hear that thing about mind, body, spirit, but there's such a connection because when I was doing, I did a grape juice fast at the very end for 17 days, just grape juice. What? And I literally felt euphoric love for everyone that's I've ever met in my entire life. Wow. Like any shred 0.1% resentment I'd maybe still had for a past lover or friend or something, just utter love and gratitude. What is it about grapes? They're just the strongest astringent property of That's any, right. of any fruit. But it just made me think like, gosh, is this how we're all supposed to feel? At all times. Yeah. And yeah. we're just like blocking We're out. blocking yeah. it by these, like eating this non-species specific food. But then I'm like, okay, but I'm human and there's pleasure and food is pleasure. You know, so I go back and exactly, forth, but I yeah. did glimpse sort of this other reality. Yeah. And it was, it, it was sort of hard to connect with people like, wow. cause I was just so off in this other place. And so I want to be able to connect with other people. Yeah. I want to be able to enjoy food, you know, so I'm yeah. not, I'm not advocating for that kind of extremism, but it was just sort of interesting observations that I, that I found along my path. So interesting. And so is a lot of the food on your retreat fruit-based? We do high fruit. It's uh, how we cook on the retreat is more, they have, there's something called the transition diet, because if I gave everybody fruit, people would start having yeah. like reactions yeah. and stuff going from, and I, that's not that retreat. Once yeah. the retreat center is up and running, I want to start doing detox retreats. Once I'm oh, certified in my, cool. as my detox specialist certification is over. Um, but that's a whole separate retreat yeah. that would be more gentle. You know, we yeah. wouldn't probably be surfing and doing some of those more physical things. Mm. Wow. Well, it's such powerful work that you're doing Thank and so you. fascinating. Wow. And it really goes beyond what I even expected. So <laughs> And I feel like you're moving into a whole new realm. Yeah. What I've just learned is this, like, we're these dynamic beings. Yeah. There's not just like a straight line to, to wholeness and happiness and health. There's all these many parts to us. You know, it's yeah. the creativity. It's, it's the energy work. It's the food. It's, it's, there's many different aspects. And who knows, you know, you know, I'm only 41. Who knows what I'm going to discover over the next like 40, 100%. 50 years. Yeah. Ever growing, ever expanding. Yeah. Ever a beginner. Yes. Always. Yeah. Always yeah. a beginner. That's just, I actually feel younger now than I did in my 20s. I feel like more playful, more optimistic, yeah. more that like anything's possible. Well, you're less possible. stuck and you're less trapped, how you described before. Yeah. Yeah. And just less like, yeah, feeling that I had, that there's a certain, there's a right way. Yeah. There is no right way. The only right way is what's, what your heart is whispering to you. Oh, I love that. And you're following it. Yeah. 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 It's really inspiring to see that. Thank you. And we'll have to come see you in Costa Rica. You're welcome. Anytime. <laughs> no, I'm serious. We're going to come. We're going to come. Make it happen. But thank you so, so, so much for being here with us on your short little trip here. Aww. And can you share with our listeners how they can find you? And Absolutely. What your handles are? Um, well, my website is emilyperera.com and maybe in your show notes you can put yeah. it. And then you can find me on Instagram at emilybegins. Surprise, be the beginner. <laughs> Emily oh, begins. I love that. Okay, great. Thank you so much. And thank you for so all much. your wisdom, I learned so much.